Seba, the Southern Pride Witch, and I am continuing the long, hot, sweaty summer of podcasting in a room that has no air conditioning. So, yikes. <laughs> I must love y'all, because honestly, I was, uh, I was laying in bed last night, y'all, and I was thinking to myself, I could just take a break. <laughs> I could just start taking breaks. But yeah, you know, it's in the 90s here, and we don't have central heat and air, and if I turn on that air conditioner right behind me, just tempting me, well, then you won't be able to hear me, will you? Or at least not very well. And so we march on, don't we, witches? As usual, I'd like to let y'all know how the garden is doing. I kind of feel like we're all in it together at this point. We got such a late start that all of my friends who bought plants and, and got going really early, well, they're getting a lot of food in all at once. Whereas my crop is just now showing up and taking names, and I am very proud of it. Not starting from seed in such a rough time, it, it didn't work out so good for me, <laughs> but I think it's going to work itself out later. I went out there today, and it's like I told my son, if I were to pull every single pepper off of those plants, we'd have bushels and bushels. But I'm either waiting on them to turn color or I'm waiting on them to get nice and fat so I can stuff them with pimento cheese and wrap them in bacon and all that kind of thing. But the pickles have begun and I will tell y'all it is so gratifying. I mean, somewhere down deep in my witch bones to grow everything you're putting in that jar. That is just heaven, honey. Well, of course, I'm not growing salt. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so wonderful to, to have my own dill and have my own little dragon's egg cucumbers. Those things are so crispy, y'all. You got to try them out. And dill and garlic and uh, pepper or two just to really kick it off good. So yeah, spending most of my mornings just either down there tying up more arms so that they don't fall with the heaviness of the fruit or I'm in the kitchen making pickles or stewing down tomatoes and it's uh, gonna get worse before it gets better. All those figs are just now getting ripe y'all for me. We're, we're like a month behind what I'm used to but it's a little bit complicated when you're already working yourself to death and then you've got a harvest coming in. But I sure will appreciate that later on, y'all. While I was out there working in the sun today, I was remembering a letter that my friend Desos Crosong wrote to me um, in response to my conversation about secrets and how to keep them and when you should and all of that in the craft. And so I came back in the house and I reread it and I want to read it to y'all. Because it really does just offer itself up to be discussed even more. So let's do that right quick, and then I'll tell you why I think it's intriguing. Here we go. Hail Seba, I really enjoyed your Cluster Cluck episode, and 
especially the segment about the craft and secrecy. Since you asked for feedback in that one, I thought I would share a couple of thoughts. I wonder, at times, if silence is an absolute. Or when we say, to be silent, in the witch's pyramid, is that like saying imperfect trust when we meet in circle? I know some schools of magic take silence to an extent that the spellcaster should themselves forget about the working and not even think of it at all, ever again, lest they themselves undermine their own efforts through doubt. I like the discipline for chaos magic in that tradition, but I certainly value not blabbing your business for every jealous ear to hear. On the other hand, I wonder, is there a difference between boasting and sharing or or is it all self-congratulation? A lot of times I get wrapped up in the idea of mage as scientist and all of the academia involved in druidry. I love to exchange notes with others and lean into the student-teacher duality in my discourses and dialogues with my close friends. Lacking a formal coven structure, sometimes it seems beneficial to network with a sort of grove of teacher peers with whom one can meet in perfect trust, but then that's not every witch's cup of herbal tea. Now, there are so many traditions and religions who use magic and labels like mage or witch, all while holding vastly different priorities and values and placing a different emphasis on how their members interact with each other and the wider world. I admit at times in talking with others and in writing about the craft, I often wonder where the division line is between sharing ideas and giving out the secrets. Maybe that's something that's covered in the Druid grade. I guess I'll find out. Just a few rambling thoughts. Love ya, Dasos. So, all right. Well, I doubt that this is going to answer your question, Dasos, because I know only a, a laywoman's understanding of druidry. I studied it a little bit a while back, and I think I even studied it in my master's degree for a little while. But I don't know enough about it from being in the inner circle, so I wouldn't dare to answer that for you anyway. Um, But I can try to unpack a little bit about the secrecy in my own craft. I think I could do that. I think in some cases, if not most cases, the need for secrecy might be subjective. It depends on what was the working, you know. Uh, Do we want to interfere with that? Because yes, I do believe that thinking about it too much or, or talking about it too much, especially before it has come to fruition, can actually, uh, you know, shake the plane, if you will. I have been known <laughs> to have interfered with my own spell work before. I might talk about that in a minute. We'll see how brave I get. So uh, I suppose for me, most of the spell work that I do that is very specific in nature, that is attempting to manifest a kind of change either in my life or for a loved one, that spell work I would not speak to unless it had been finished. Usually, the reason I wouldn't do it has more to do with not wanting to interfere um, just by my own thought waves, feeling my way toward that. You know, I've got to believe in it and I have to leave it free and clear to go where it needs to go and do what it needs to do. So 
unless I was positive that it had come to fruition, and even then, probably for a little while after, there are some spells I will not discuss. And that's not the only reason. Obviously, for eons, witches and, as you've called them, mages, have done workings that need to be um, protected. We don't want anyone doing counterwork to what we've already enacted, and that is a possibility. You know, this is just very akin to when I have a very large project and I don't have um, enough meat on its bones. It doesn't have feet yet. It's not really where I can say, yes, that could survive a little bit of a hit, <laughs> you know. I mean, when it's in that condition, I just won't talk about it. I won't go very far at all. If I have begun to talk about something, I've got my little lightning bug fingers in, then that means that I, uh, that usually means that I do have faith in it. It is standing and thriving, has a heartbeat, and here we go. You know, there was a time in my life where I had a lot of, let's call them antagonists, and I don't anymore. I don't. I'm not going to get into the reasons why I don't, but I will tell y'all that if you get to work on your own stuff and stop responding to drama altogether, a lot of times it will clear up on its own. Also, if you pull yourself away from toxicity, um, places where nastiness likes to reside and play, you know, once you pull away from that, you eliminate a lot of it as well. And so you're eliminating danger. Oh, sorry. My familiar decided to speak at that time. And then they promptly laid down and covered their eyes. Very cute. So I guess we're not in danger right now. <laughs> Just a little bit of an amen from the choir. Um, but that that's not because, in those cases, that's not because it's protected by another entity or a coven or that kind of thing. It's literally to protect the spell as it's coming to its manifestation. Protecting it as much as possible. Okay, that's not quite right. I'm not protecting it because in a lot of ways that would be interference. What I mean by that is staying out of its way, not interfering with it. So, but I, in those cases, am not necessarily sworn to secrecy. It's just the ingredient that sort of uh, seals the deal, if you will. So there are other cases, though. I have worked certain things with other witches before, where we all put our energy into a spell or a working, a crafting. And I felt that by sharing the nature of that with somebody who wasn't there, who did not hold circle with us, and, you know, whether they're an awesome person or not, I mean, they weren't invited to the party, you know? So in those cases, no, I won't share. Because by the very nature of how that spell came to be, there was trust involved with other witches. And no, no, I won't. I won't discuss those. Um, no, I won't discuss it at all. So yeah. And then there are certain, now I want to call them deities, but it's, uh, it's complicated. In fact, I'm going to talk to one of my students about it on the air coming up real soon of how I understand goddesses and 
I'm not trying to get anyone else to understand them the way I do. It is the way I approach it, the way I work. But in essence, I do believe that, or I've had the experience in which I've worked with a particular, let's call it a deity, and it was implied that I keep my mouth shut. Mm -hmm. You know, you can feel it. It's so subjective that it's almost impossible to explain it to another human being, but there are times and places and workings maybe even messages I've received that I do not believe should be shared. And that too gets complicated. You know, what if the spell I was given was from um, an ancestor of mine and they didn't want folks outside of this tradition, well, to, well, knowing my ancestors, to muck it up (laughs) or change it (laughs) And, and, and then put, you know, that stamp on it, that that could get scary and very disrespectful. So some spell work, especially in an ancestral line, the sharing of that outside of one's culture, I could see that. I could see that very easily, but also trust could get murky. And then, you know, then you're walking a very thin line with your ancestors. But also it occurs to me that certain deities, again, or ancestors might have given you that spell or that message or the inner workings of something, that knowledge, because they thought you were ready for that. And it's not necessarily going to work for anyone else. And just in the sharing of it, you somehow could desecrate that, you know, that sanctity of that gift that you received. It's almost like when someone works really hard on something and makes you, let's say, a hat. And because I know, you know, hey, Dasus, if you're still listening, I know that you made me the most beautiful hat I've ever seen in my entire life. My discarding that or handing that over to somebody else when it was fully meant for me, that would be disrespectful. I don't know if we could incur the wrath of something. I know that some deities you might, but I know that at least we are taking away some of the the power invested in that sharing if we were to, you know, willy-nilly hand it over to our best friend or someone who really wanted a hat. I could see that you would know when and where to pass that down or on, but now we're just getting really ticky about it, and there's no need in that. But in those particular cases, if something was passed to me, and it was meant to be for me particularly, and I were to just share all the inner workings of that, If who I had been working with knew I could handle that and it suited me and it suited my craft and I were to type it up like a recipe, okay, and hand it over to, you know, Joe Schmo, they could get injured. You know, they don't understand everything that came with that, the context that came with an injury could actually occur or at least something not so great. You kind of feel me? Best case scenario, it wouldn't work. And so then what is the point? I do think that these secrets in the craft are necessary and more than often than not. However, 
being pushed by this letter and thinking things out a little bit more. And thank you for that because I always do enjoy that. When somebody comes to me respectfully and thinks it through with me even more, it helps me learn and I really do appreciate that, Days Holmes. But there are times when, yes, I will discuss a spell or a ritual and you know, to me, they are different, although they can happen in the same space sometimes. Um, especially if I'm working with my own innate magic and that of the land spirits around me and the elements. And even in one case I'm thinking of right now, in which I work with a particular deity, I'll go ahead and just tell you, um, I tend a lot these days to work with the Morrigan. It's been about 10 years now, so I suppose that's more than a lot these days. (laughs) A lot more. (laughs) But I'm sure if you've done any study, if anyone's done any study on the Morrigan, that we know that she is, well, she's big on sovereignty, and so am I. And uh, in those cases that I have, let me back up a little bit, I very much understand the Morgan. You know what? I'm going to just stop here. Let me tell you a little bit about a spell I did a decade ago this coming October 13th. Mm-hmm. All right. Feels like it was yesterday. Doesn't feel like it was a whole decade ago, but here it is. As y'all remember, I lost my job. There was an impending lawsuit. It was a complete and utter mess in 2014. In fall of 2013, I did see the writing on the wall and knew that some folks were at battle with me, full-fledged battle. Most of that battle had very little to do with the craft, even though they were crafters. Um, I don't know, my wards were working, who I worked with worked very well for me, and nothing really hit. I was I was getting through things just fine on that magical battle space, but I was about to lose on a, um, well, for lack of a better way to put it, in the mundane world. You know, the, the hits just kept coming, and, you know, I'm a witch, and I thought I won't show up to this battle that way. That's not what I'm going to do. This was supposed to be a magical situation, and it's gotten out of hand. I felt very much that the people involved were hiding themselves from me, and so at a complete loss as to what to do, I did turn to the Morgan. Now, I personally do not see them as agents of battle that you can hire, like a hitman. I don't see it that way at all, and I can't imagine that mm, any scholar would. What I did believe was that she, they, if you will, could open my eyes, could help adjust my vision, could help steady me more for the battle to come. And give me the bravery, the sovereignty to go into this situation magically in a way I'd never done before. And so the dedication, and I've, I've done it before, like I said, you know, we've, I've known and worked with Morgan before. However, that night got a little bit more serious for me. 
and it happened in a cornfield, my own cornfield, and uh, in the middle of it, every black bird in my region decided to land on every tree surrounding that cornfield. Uh, It was significantly powerful. I felt it. I felt that it was more than anything in this world, y'all. It was more of a go get them champ, you know, slap on my my round ass. Because I just, even if I could have gone to mama and said, hey, they were mean to me, go hurt them. I didn't want that. I was angry and I wanted to do the work myself. So I was very much empowered to do so. You know, the blinders were off. I could see, I could strategize. And one of the spells that I did that night, well, I don't suppose I can even remember the wording or, you know, the ins and outs of that. I don't think I can remember that anymore. And that's probably a good thing (laughs) because it means I can't undo it. Um, But one of the things I wanted was I wanted to know them. I wanted to know them. I wanted to know who, where, when, how, and I wanted it to be revealed to me as quickly as possible. I do remember talking with the Morgan about the fact that lots of my family and lots of good, you know, hardy witch folk had been injured in this process. That might have given me a little bit of an edge. But at the end of the day, I do remember feeling this magic coursing through me and my hands and my fire and uh I can say all of that because I did have you know autonomy sovereignty um it wasn't so much that I called for intercession I guess I called for counsel and uh clarity if that makes any sense And I didn't really want the Morgan, this is a very strange thing to say out loud, to take a side. And the reason I find that so strange is because I don't think that the Morgan would. However, that clarity and that help finding strength in myself and finding my own uh, battle worthiness, that I believe in my heart. I will always believe, led to, well, let's call it a resolving of the issue. I mean, the fallout was for another year, um, maybe two. Come to think of it, maybe three. But what I asked for in that moment, what I didn't ask anyone for, let's be very clear, what I manifested was going to be clear to me within 24 hours. Now, to protect the guilty, I won't say any more about that. Let me tell you, though, it was quite detailed and it was significantly crystal clear the next day. The justice I enacted that evening, that was also leveled in the exact same manner. That was something I I enacted. I wanted whatever befell me, since it was against my will that this was happening, would befall the enactor and not vice versa (laughs) y'all because what came next was indeed a cluster cluck honey uh it was it was amazing to watch it was it, it was fair it was just but i still do not either blame 
nor give full credit to the Morgan. They just don't work that way, honey. It's not the way it goes. And so, since it's on me, uh, since I was the manifester, I am that witch from that day, I can share. I can, if I want to, I can share a little bit of that. Hell, if I hadn't done such a damn good job at trying to forget it, I could tell you every single thing, but I have indeed wiped my memory of most of what I said and did that day, which was very, very helpful because there came a moment in which one of the people that had been involved in that whole, you know, horrible thing that happened to me all those years ago, I had actually considered to be a dear friend. And when I, well, when it was revealed to me that they had been part of this, I loved them so that I tried to stand in front of my own spell work. I didn't want it to land. I wanted to save this person. And my attempts to do so were futile. I did feel, um, I just felt compelled to tell this person what I had done and I hadn't known the names of anyone at the time. And we did have a very honest conversation. And it helped for me to learn that, yeah, maybe sometimes you ought to forget the wording of your spells. Because otherwise I would have remained in the dark. Um, in these moments, I would have remained in the dark. And things needed to come to light and needed to be set right as much as they could be. And they were. And that is the longest way to answer all of this. I suppose that I could have possibly done. There are some spells that I find so effective. And so, I mean, they stand on their own, you know, that it really is just the energy of the crafter that matters in, in this situation. It's just tried and true stuff, you know. It's like um, my grandma's recipe for a peach cobbler could not be more simple, could not be more clear, and still people don't seem to understand how to put these elements together. And with a little training and with a little skill, you can. So I, there are some things I don't mind sharing. It's not that these spells or secrets aren't sacred to me. It's that I know them to be very, well, autonomous themselves. And they just react differently with it, different people. I can't promise that it would work for you. I don't feel as protective over that knowledge. Or, again, to get rid of that word and use one that's better, I don't feel that I have to respect the boundaries of how I learned that one as much. So, yeah, I share some things. But just like my grandma's cobbler, I will tell you, honey. I've given out that recipe, and I have watched people bring the most monstrous creations back to me and say, what the hell went wrong? <laughs> I don't know, honey. <laughs> Doesn't look like your fingers were firing that day. And then I go make it, and it still comes out the way it's supposed to. So in sharing that recipe, it doesn't seem to lose any potency at all. But I taught it to my oldest son, and I tell you what, his is better. <laughs> that is his ancestor, so I suppose it is. There's a funny thing about me, y'all. There's a very funny thing about me. I literally will 
just naturally not tell secrets. It's, it's very strange. Those are the lessons I forget to teach. That is until a certain student will look at me in a way and be in a crossroads of their own. And suddenly I know I'm supposed to teach them that. I'm supposed to share that. And here we go, you know. So secrets to me can be very situational. I don't think there's any argument at all, as far as I'm concerned, about what goes on in circle stays in circle, okay? And that's because unless you can get every single person from that circle to agree that the mass sharing of that event, or whatever, I'm going to have you, is okay, and do so in a non-coercive manner, I just can't imagine that that's all right. Now you're talking about what happened with other witches in a sacred circle. That's a no-brainer. The answer is no. And there are some spells that are handed down generationally or within a culture that have that clause attached. And there are entities that we can work with or also just energies that we can work with that would just really rather you kept your damn mouth shut. <laughs> and I don't know what could happen if we shared those moments. I don't know because I'm not brave enough to find out. Or maybe I just, um, I've got that sensibility that comes with having learned from a lot of old crafters, then we just don't do that. It's just unheard of and I'm not going to do it. But I think the secrets that we create ourselves you know, the one that I explained to you that I enacted all those years ago, a decade ago. That crafting, well, that was up to me. I don't feel that I need intercession or permission to speak to my own magical crafting. And so, you know, I would share that. At the end of the day, I do think that matters. So I reckon secrets are like other things that are hard to describe. You kind of know them when you see them or feel them, if that makes any sense at all. And is that subjective? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, quite indeed. Do I want some of these secrets in the wrong hands? No, I don't think that's a good idea either. <laughs> But this is a wonderful line of questioning, and I encourage anybody to think through their craft and what they've learned and who they've learned it from and who they've worked with in the way of energies or deities and ask ourselves, where is that line? Where are the secrets? How do we know them and how do we protect them? And who do we share them with? Super cool question, however. I do have tomatoes on the stove. A good friend of mine went to California and left my son in charge of her garden and the thing has exploded. I have never worked this fast and this hard in my life, but I'm doing it and uh, I'm adding a little bit of wine into my tomatoes. I, I've done that in the past. It also does help with preservation, after all, and gives such a lushness to the sauce later on. Consider it if you're canning your own sauce. In fact, depending on the alcohol content, I have even canned things in wine before. One of my favorite things to can, I know, water bath can, you know, like you would pickles and vinegar. 
One of my favorite things to can is uh, figs in port wine. Just divine, y'all. They soak up all that port. It is absolutely stunning in the middle of really yummy vanilla ice cream with like a butter cookie on the side. Y'all have got to try that and sprinkle or maybe shave a little nutmeg over the top of that in the winter. Ooh, baby. Also, you should try doing that with your pears. If you have pears, try preserving it in white port. Y'all could thank me later for that one. And those are served over ricotta. Really fresh ricotta. All right, I'll stop. Now I'm getting hungry. Well, I love y'all. I've got two patrons to shout out this week. And I think I've already shouted out one of them, but we're going to go for it anyway. So, Miss Michelle and Trevor, thank y'all so much. I've got some surprises on the horizon. I have a wonderful person coming on to the podcast that y'all would all know. And I'm going to keep that in the works. See how I'm keeping that secret. We're going to leave that secret until I get it recorded. Then I'll let you know who it is. (laughs) Don't want to shake the plane on that one either. And then I have my student coming on the show. Her name is Shannon. And we're going to talk about how I understand deity work, which is something that feels extraordinarily private. And I'm really kind of worried about sharing. But hey. I always tell y'all the truth, so you're going to get to know me in a whole other way. Love y'all like chicken. I'll talk to y'all next week. Blessed be. Oh, and if something is a secret, keep it, baby. Some things are just meant to live inside of us. Bye, y'all. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.